So you can tell the pollen has affected my voice. Has, how many of you has it affected? Really? Okay, so not many of you. I guess we're, we're alone, those of us. I promise I'm, I don't feel bad. I just sound really bad. So um, I hope my voice will last during this. My prayer this morning has been, and this will fit with the message you're going to hear in just a second, that even though my voice is weak, my voice is not what's really all that necessary this morning. But God's voice is very necessary. So my prayer has been that we would hear God's word and God's voice, even in spite of my own, my own weakness. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 3. That's where we're going to be hanging out. So you just heard Pastor Joel say that we've been in this series called Courageous, or we started it last week. What, what, what we're doing is we're taking the book of Acts in the Bible section by section. And so right now, we're in chapters 3 and 4, and we called it Courageous because, um, and Michael, I'm going to pull my voice back, so if I do, you can push me up if you need to. I'm going to try to talk in my quiet voice so that it lasts. Um, so, so what we've been saying is this. We've been saying that... What happens in, in the book of Acts is that Jesus ascends to heaven and then the Holy Spirit comes and indwells his followers. Now, here's what you need to know. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit, the power of the Almighty God of the universe that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you and lives in me. Here's the crazy thing. We don't often live that way. We often live as if we live in our own power or we conform to the rest of the world and we try to be strong and we try to have everything that the world offers. But the interesting thing is, is that Jesus promised that if we would follow him and trust in him, that the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would be in us. And it would help us live differently and speak differently and think differently, and act differently. And our lives would be a display of God's power. So what happens in the book of Acts, you see, is that the followers of Jesus begin to live radically different lives. They begin to give up their resources. They begin to risk everything they have for the name and the mission of Jesus. And that's why we're calling this courageous. Now, last week, um, Chris Mims um, started off our series, and he started it in the beginning of Acts chapter 3. And what he said is what happens is at the beginning of Acts chapter 3, I'm going to sip my tea right here, sorry. Um, at the beginning of Acts chapter 3, we see this disabled man sitting at the temple porch, or what's called Solomon's Colonnade. And he's sitting there at the gates to the temple, and the reason he's sitting there is he's been lame or disabled for years. He can't walk. So he's sitting there to, to beg for people to give him money. Because if he can't walk, in his day you can't work. There's a lot of things that you would just be considered almost like um, cast aside. And so he's, he's asking people to give him money so that he can survive each day. And what he doesn't realize is that one day followers of Jesus... Peter and John come walking into the temple and they see him and they notice him. And remember, these guys now have the spirit of God. The power of the almighty God of the universe now is in them. And so they look at this guy 
They notice him. They value him. And then they look at him and they say, look at us. And they say, we don't have money to give you, but we have something better to give you. And they say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And they, ra- they reach out their hands. That's important. They looked in his eyes. They reached out their hand. And they lifted him up and raised him up to a whole new life. The guy gets up on his feet and he starts walking around, running around, praising God. Because he realized that it was God that gave them the power, that gave him the power to have a whole new life. So that was what we talked about last week. That's pretty powerful. Now, that's where we're going to pick up Acts chapter 3 in verse 11. So if you've got your Bible and you're ready to pick up there, we're going to start in verse 11 reading what happens next. So this guy is now walking around praising God. People are astonished and amazed. And look at what happens next. Acts chapter 3 verse 11 says this. While he was holding on to Peter and John, it's talking about the disabled guy that's now healed, right? While he's holding on to them, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, verse 12 says, he addressed the people. He says, he's, he's now about to say, he's got to give an answer to what just happened. Because everybody's crazy. Here's this guy that used to be disabled for years. This guy hasn't walked. And all of a sudden he's walking now. And so everybody's staring going, what is going on? There's chaos in the temple courts. And so look at what Peter says. Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness. Now stop right there and let me just make a point here. And if you want to write this down, I think this is a takeaway for us from what just happened. And it's this. We are not powerful or good people. But God is. Let me, let me explain to you what I mean by that. We live our lives in this world, especially in this country where we have so much opportunity and so much wealth, that we think that we're pretty strong, that we earned our degrees, we got our jobs, we have a nice house, we have a nice car, we think we're pretty together, and we think we're pretty good. I mean, let's be honest, most people's view of religion or even getting to heaven is that you just have to be good enough and that maybe God will let you in. All that's a lie. We are actually not strong at all. And we're actually not very good. Now, we can deceive ourselves in thinking we are, but the Bible tells us just the opposite. That without Jesus, we are completely devastated. That we're weak. And that we're not really capable of very much good at all. That we're just like filthy rags, our righteousness is. What happens here? in this case, is these crowds of people are looking at Peter and John and they're thinking, these guys must be gods. These guys are amazing. They just raised that guy to walk. They just, they must be magicians. And Peter and John immediately say, no, you've got it wrong. 
We are not powerful or good at all, but the God we serve is. You see, we struggle with this because we live our lives trying to be good and powerful. And see, Peter and John could have fallen captive to the same lie. Here are all these people looking at them. They could have recorded it, put it on YouTube, become overnight sensations. They would have made a lot of money, right? Are you with me? Are you guys awake? That's, isn't that what people aspire to, kind of? They could have, they heard the applaud of the crowds. They heard the crowd was astonished. They could have gone with that. They just did something pretty powerful, right? But see, they knew something that you and I sometimes forget, is they knew the power didn't come from them. They knew the power came from the God that they worshipped and served. You know, Here's something you have to understand. Peter and John were acting very courageously, but courage, we're calling this section of Acts courageous, but courage is not arrogance. Those are two different things. Arrogance, according to Webster's Dictionary, says this, that I exaggerate my own worth, my own power, my own goodness to make myself look good. That's, that's what we think that we ought to do. But courage says this, I'm not good, I'm not strong, but I know the one who is. Peter and John don't take credit for this guy's healing. They immediately take credit, I mean, they immediately give credit to God. You know, John the Baptist, who was a cousin of Jesus, not one of the disciples, he was not really a Baptist, he was a baptizer. Um, he baptized people in the Jordan River, and one day he sees Jesus coming, and he knows Jesus is the Messiah, and he points to them, and he said, that's the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. He recognized him as the Messiah, and then he says this very interesting thing in John 3.30. He says this, he, talking about Jesus, he says, he must increase, and I must what? Decrease. Isn't that interesting? John's a pretty famous guy at this point. He has lots of followers. And he says, Jesus must become greater and I must become less. You see, that's what a follower of Jesus does. Is when Jesus changes your heart and life and you follow him, you begin to point to him and say, he's great, he's good, he's strong. I'm not. My life is the way it is because he's changed me. We live now doing the things we do in the power and strength and grace of the Almighty God. But we struggle with this. We struggle with it. All right, so the people are staring at Peter and John, thinking they're gods. They immediately give credit to the one who really deserves it. And then look at what happens in verse 13. Look at what Peter says. Peter says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... The God of our ancestors. You see what he's doing? What did I say? He's giving credit to God. Who is he talking about? He's talking about God. He says to them, listen, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has glorified his servant, Jesus. <laughs> we don't even know the name of the guy that's been healed at this point. Peter and John have not announced their names. But in the first sentence, Peter speaks. He says, God did it, 
and God is the one who sent Jesus. Now, why is that important? Well, listen to what he says. He says, God has glorified his servant Jesus, listen, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. So Peter is pointing back to something that had just happened, right? We know that Jesus was handed over to be crucified and killed to Pilate, the Roman governor. And what did Pilate do? Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him. I'm going to release him. And what do the crowds of Jewish people in Jerusalem say? No, crucify him. And what happens? Jesus is crucified, right? But did you know that in the story, Pilate, it's a custom that they could release one prisoner on, on Passover. They could release one of the prisoners. And the crowds call for Pilate to release Barabbas, who is a convicted murderer, in place of Jesus. Now, Pilate thinks they're going to say, let Jesus... You know, release Jesus. But the crowds trade Jesus for a convicted murderer. And so Pilate releases Barabbas back into the streets. And a convicted murderer comes back to live among them. Now, you're going to see why that's important in just a second. Look at verse 14. You denied the holy and righteous one, Peter says. In other words, he says, you denied the one God sent, the Messiah, the holy and righteous one, he's talking about Jesus, right? And asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed, pay attention to this, verse 15. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. Peter's saying, listen, you killed the author of life, the one who promises to give us life, and you traded him for a guy who's been known to commit murder, bring death. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that they traded Jesus for somebody who had killed other people? And Jesus, Peter says, was the author of life. I, I want to make this point, if you want to write this down, it's this. The things we trade for Jesus often don't make any sense. The things we chase instead of Jesus don't make any sense. Listen, in, in our world, we will ignore and reject Jesus and run after all kinds of things that do not satisfy. I mean, there are things that look attractive. It might be like wealth or power or success, or job. Sometimes we'll run after relationships or all kinds of things, and they don't last. We trade Jesus for a lie. We trade Jesus for something that doesn't have power. And Peter gets back to the story. Look at verse 16. He tells them, remember why they're there? They're there because... They're, they're, they're in chaos and they're stirred up because this man was healed. He's walking now. And so Peter explains why. Look at verse 16. He says, by faith in his name, and Peter's talking about Jesus, the Jesus he was just talking about. He says, by faith in his name, in Jesus' name, his name has made this man strong. Are you, are you hearing what he's saying? He's saying, you killed Jesus. 
He was the holy and righteous one. You killed him. God raised him from the dead. And now this man today is walking by the power of the name of Jesus. You see it? He says, so the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of you all. This man is walking today and he hasn't been able to walk in years and years and years. But he's walking today because of the new life given to him by the one who was raised to life, Jesus, the one you killed. Here's my third point. It's this. Faith in the name of Jesus is the only thing that really brings real life change. This guy's life has been changed. This beggar, this lame man, who used to sit daily in the temple just surviving, just asking for coins so that he could eat his next meal. But guess what? Coins weren't going to change that man's life, were they? I mean, they would help him survive. They would give him his lunch. But nothing was drastically going to change. And then one day, in the power of the name of Jesus, he began to walk. Listen, I, I want to tell you this. In our world, there's a lot of things. If you were to go on Amazon or go in Barnes & Noble, which there's probably two Barnes & Noble left in the world. But if you were to go to the bookstore, you would find a self-help section that's pretty large today. Because we love to help ourselves. You know, there's, there's all kinds of ways you can improve your life and live your best life now and be better and try harder. But I'm telling you, in the end, it's rather futile because in the end, you're going to realize that you're not that strong and you're not that good. But, but here's the thing. We can live in survival mode like this guy was living in every day, thinking that a few more coins are going to get me what I need. But when Jesus showed up, through Peter and John, he was raised to a whole new life. A whole new life. All I'm saying is this. Faith in the name of Jesus is what changes lives forever. Don't put your faith in the wrong thing. There's a lot you could live for. There's a lot you could hope in. It doesn't work. But Jesus changes things. Jesus changes everything. Look at what Peter says next, verse 17. He looks at them and says, and now brothers and sisters. Isn't that interesting? He's just told them that they killed Jesus. And now he calls them brothers and sisters. In other words, he's saying, you're not my enemies. Even, even though you killed the author of life, you're not his enemy either. He calls them brothers and sisters. Now look what he says. I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In other words, he's saying, I, I know you didn't know what you were doing. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that similar to what Jesus said on the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. They don't have a clue what's going on, God. Often our sin and our chasing so many things in life other than Jesus, it's just in our own ignorance. 
We just don't know any better. He says, you didn't know what you were doing. And look at verse 18. But in this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. You see what Peter's doing? He's shifting. Not only did he give credit to God earlier, he's shifting the blame here for a second. He's saying, listen, even though you did it, even though you killed Jesus, even though you acted in ignorance, listen, it was God's plan the whole time. It was God's plan the whole time for Jesus to suffer. You thought the blood was on your hands in a sense, but listen, God was behind it all. Listen, I just need you to know this this morning because I don't know when you walked in here this morning. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what's going on in your mind this morning. But listen, I need you to know something this morning. God has always had a plan and nothing you have ever done has thwarted God's plan. You need to understand that. You may think sitting here this morning, that you have ruined what God wanted to do with you. Listen, you have no idea how powerful and good and strong our God is. He has always had a plan. Peter says to them, brothers and sisters, you rejected and killed the author of life. But guess what? God knew and God was behind it. God knows everything you've done. He knows all the times you've turned your back on him and spit in his face. He knows all that. He knows all the time you've chased other things besides him. But guess what? He never left. He never turned his back on you. And he's always had a plan. And here's the best part of that. Look at the next verse. Peter says to this crowd of people he calls brothers and sisters. In verse 19, he says, Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. Did you, did you hear that? Just stop for a second. Let me tell you, the word wiped out there, it, it's a Greek word that means erased. In other words, it doesn't mean scratched out. It doesn't mean put a line through it. It doesn't mean white it out. Only a few of you know what white it out even means. But it means erased. Gone. He's looking at the people that killed Jesus. The people who called for him to be crucified. And he said, guess what? Guess what? The God of all the universe always planned that it would happen this way. And he wants you to turn back to him so that your sin could be erased forever. That even though you're guilty, you can be free. Even though you're guilty, you can be made right and innocent and whole. That's the best news ever. He looks at them and says this. Look at verse 20. He says, so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that, may he, and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed, look at these words, appointed for you as the Messiah. Who did Jesus die for? You. You're not his enemy. You're the reason he came. 
You're the reason he died. Isn't that beautiful? And I just love that phrase. Sorry, I'm going to make it, I promise. So that seasons of refreshing may come upon you. Listen, you will not be refreshed, renewed, and revived without Jesus. But with Jesus, seasons of refreshing, joy, and peace. And Peter says, and you're invited. You see, God has a plan, and his plan includes you. It includes you, even the ones who are guilty, even the ones who were once his enemies. Now he invites as his friends. Guys, there's no better news in all the world than that. All right. Listen, I, I'm, I just need to tell you this. If you're here today and you're listening to me right now and you've wondered what it really looks like to believe and follow Jesus and you think to yourself, what do I do to do that? Peter just told us, repent means turn from our sin and turn back to God. And it really is that simple. And then the power and the grace and the goodness of the Almighty God will wipe out your sins forever and send you and give you abundant, wonderful life. And if you want to know more about that, please don't leave here today without coming and asking me or Pastor Joel or Pastor Chris or Pastor Mark or anyone around here who's a follower of Jesus. What can I do today to believe and follow Jesus and be baptized just like Brooke was? There's no other way to have life. Look at the, we're going to finish up here. Verse 21 says this. Peter finishes by telling the crowd this. He says, heaven must receive him. He's talking about Jesus still, right? And he said, Jesus has gone to heaven. He says, must receive him until the time of restoration of all things. In other words, what Peter's saying is, one day Jesus is going to come back. One day he's going to come back. And look, look what he says. Which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. He's telling them, remember, the prophets, your ancestors, your forefathers, they told you this was going to happen. He goes on to talk about Moses, verse 22. He says, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to everything he tells you. Who was Moses talking about? Moses was talking about Jesus. In verse 23, Moses said in and everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In other words, even Moses said, if you don't follow Jesus, you won't have life. Look at verse 24. Peter goes on. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold these days. You are, listen, Peter looks at this crowd and he says, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your ancestors. God made his promise with you. You were the first people God ever told about this. You were the people God used. Jesus was a Jewish man because God chose to use you to bring the Messiah into the world. Look, saying to Abraham and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. And then he finishes with this, verse 26. 
God raised up his servant, Jesus. Remember, he's talking about Jesus. God raised up. Isn't that interesting language? God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. In other words, listen to what Peter's saying. Not only are you included, but brothers and sisters, you were the first people he ever came to. He's saying, listen, you are the people he came to first. But get this. Here's what I want you to hear about this. What he's saying to them, but you're not the only ones. In fact, God did have a plan. And his plan to send Jesus included you. Jesus died for you. But it's not just for you. It's not just for you. Did you hear what he said? What did Abraham say? He said, Abraham said he was blessed by God to be a blessing to many families throughout the whole earth. Why are you here this morning? If you're a follower of Jesus today, you know that God saved you and forgives you and your only hope is in him. But guess what? God did not save you for you. God saved you to use you. Here's an interesting thing. Somebody told me this a long time ago. God just didn't save me from something. He saved me for something. Listen, what, what Peter is trying to tell them is, guess what? God does want you back in his family. He wants you to turn to him. But guess what? He doesn't save you just for you. He saves you to use you. Here's what I know. Some of you that are sitting in here today, Listen, you hear what I'm saying, but tomorrow, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go to work. We're going to go to school. This afternoon, you're going to go to a restaurant or go home. You're going to see your neighbors working in their yard or washing their car. And here's what I know about everyone you will encounter this week. Is they are dead without Jesus. And they are chasing all kinds of things, thinking that their worth in life will come from being powerful, significant, important, successful, wealthy. They want to be powerful and they want to be good. And Peter and John reminded us, power and goodness doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus. Listen, there are people in your life and your family around you. And they need to know who Jesus is. They need seasons of refreshing. They need for their sins to be wiped out. Who's going to show them? Who's going to tell them? I think that's why God saved you. And put you right where you are tomorrow at work. Tomorrow at school. That student that sits next to you in the desk. What if God put them there to see you? What if you're the only Jesus they ever really see? This week, what would it look like if the lives we live that are different, and I hope if you're a follower of Jesus, your life looks different, but as you live this radically different life, what if we don't take credit for it? What if we say, look, you need to know something. I'm not that strong. I think that's why God gave me a weak voice this morning. Because I'm not that strong. And I'm not that good. But I know the one who is. 
I know the one who is. And I need him desperately, and so do you. And when you turn to him, when you give your life to him, he raises you to walk in a whole new life. A whole new life. The world's dying to know that. And you and I get to tell him. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for giving me a weak voice this morning to remind me that I'm not very strong. God, we needed this reminder today that all the power and all the strength and all the goodness that we need comes from Jesus. God, would there be people in this room They've been trying for so long to be strong and good. Would you just help them today, God, surrender to Jesus right now? Would they walk out of here knowing that they belong to you? God, when we leave this place in just a minute, would you use us? Would you use us to point other people to you? Would we, bold, would we be bold and courageous like Peter and John? Would we be willing to speak up and say that you get the glory, God, that you are the one who changes lives, that it's because of Jesus I am who I am? God, would we be courageous in the way we live and the way we speak so that people would turn their lives to you? Lord, thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.